0: Thank you for tuning in to this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. You guys doing all right tonight? All right, real quick, just. You know, actually, we have a good amount of people over here. Just for my friends over here, can we, can we find a way to get in here? Like, can my group over here, like, just come all the way in? So right here, come all the way in. There's three open seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys right here can scoot in all the way. Scoot down all the way here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's two people there? All right, you guys scoot in then. We're going to make this work. I don't want to speak to, like, six people over there and, like, oh, the rest of you are like, where's, where's Mateo at? He's not even looking at me. Man, it's good to be with you guys. Zach stole everything I was going to say. I was going to ask you guys to move and I was going to introduce myself. So my name is Mateo. If I have had a chance of meeting you, um, so great to meet you. I'd love to get your name matched to a face after service. Um, some of you have known since you were like 9 or 10 years old. Um, and some of you are like, who is this guy? Is this Pastor Tim? No, this is not Pastor Tim. Some of you guys are like, did, did Pastor Victor get a haircut? And it's like, no, he's still rocking the long flow. I don't know if you guys like it. It works. I know Miss Preem loves it, and that's all that counts. We're good. We're good. Um, but yeah, my name is, is Matteo. I've been around New Life for pretty much my whole life. Um, my my parents are going here when my mom's pregnant with me, so I was like in the womb getting like turned up to, to I Am Free, you know, like 20 years ago. But most of you guys weren't around then. But Pastor Tim knows what I'm talking about. But um, such an honor to be with you guys. Um, I want to jump right in today. We have a lot to get through, and believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to communicate something specific and unique and honestly really heavy to you guys tonight. So open up your hearts to receive the message of the gospel. If you were here last week, you saw that we opened up our series in the gospel of Luke. Everyone say the gospel of Luke. Gospel. And, and we saw that Pastor Tim was kind of tackling the idea that Jesus is the Messiah. And it's this, this word that's thrown out a lot in, you know, in, Christian, in, in churches and we hear about the Messiah. But Pastor Tim kind of broke down what that looked like for Jesus to be the Messiah. And as Jesus comes, he teaches in the synagogue and and he lays out a few things. He says, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to open blind eyes, to give give captives liberty and announce the year of the Lord's favor. And something Pastor Tim talked about is is Jesus coming on the scene into a Roman environment. Um, The Romans were incredibly hostile. They were brutal, they were unjust. And we see Jesus comes in the scene and probably what most Jewish people are thinking is Jesus is gonna hand it to the Romans. he's gonna give them what they deserve. They've been violent, they're immoral, they're they're worshiping idols and Jesus is gonna give it to the Romans. But what does Jesus do? He comes to serve. He comes and he leads by laying his life down. We see that Jesus, instead of going to, to the rich and the famous and the popular, Jesus goes to the poor. He proclaims good news to them. He goes to the blind. And blind people in those days were, were looked down upon because they thought it was your parents and your sin that made you to be blind. But we see Jesus draws near to them. So as we, as we look throughout the book of Luke, we see kind of this flip where we thought it's supposed to look this way. The kingship looks this way or, or the way of God, the kingdom of God looks this way. And Jesus completely Flips in as we go through the gospel of Luke, we see that kingship is a really big deal, and that's why we've we've called this series the Kingdom Way because we get to follow King Jesus' example in the way we live. You guys tracking with me? Come, you guys are you guys are quiet. I, I I don't know if Junior has not here, so it's quiet. You guys track with me? We good, we good, we good. That was a lot, that was a lot. But I want to go ahead and jump straight into the passage. We're gonna jump into Luke 6:37, if you have your Bible. This isn't like a shame thing, but who still brings their paper Bible to church? Wow, it's the minority, we got a few. Well, shout out to y'all. Honestly, sometimes I don't feel like bringing my Bible to church when I know it's gonna be up on the screen, but it's there for whatever, wherever you're at. But Luke 6, 27. Here comes Jesus. This is kind of Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember Pastor Tim talking about the four Gospels, we kind of know that each Gospel gives us a different insight into the person of Jesus, where Matthew goes after mostly a Jewish audience. Then we have St. Luke, who goes mostly after a Gentile audience, those who don't know the law as much, or those who didn't grow up in a Hebrew culture. So keep that in mind as we're reading this passage. This is the Gospel of the Lord. But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, if you're reading this passage with me, you're probably seeing... Jesus, this is absolutely insane. What are you talking about? How many of you guys have heard this passage before? Like, love your enemies, you know, turn the other cheek. It's a pretty popular church passage. I want you to think about what Jesus saying. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Just let the weight of that set in for a second. Passages can become so familiar that we like forget. Wait, what Jesus is saying here is actually kind of crazy, but let's go ahead and keep reading. Uh, verse 31, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Most of us know this as like the golden rule. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Verse 35, this is where Jesus really takes it home. But love your enemies. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel, the word of God, in which the people of God say, Thanks be to God. Go ahead and bow your heads in prayer with me. Jesus, have your way in this room tonight. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room who you've called specifically by name and you're calling them into your kingdom. Jesus, I thank you that you want to speak tonight. Holy Spirit, that you want to bring transformation in hearts tonight. So we pray, have your way. Would you illuminate the text to us, illuminate this passage to us, that we'd understand the weight of your mercy, your love, your grace. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Have your way tonight, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, I was jumping, as I was jumping into this passage, I'll be honest with you. The weight of it kind of hit me a little different. I grew up in church, like I was saying, I grew, I grew up going to church here most of my life. And as I read this passage, I was like, you know, oh, like this is a familiar passage and you know, be merciful as your heavenly father's merciful. Like this sounds like pretty straight up. Like it's about God's mercy for us. This is good. But as I really started digging in to this passage, I started realizing, wait, what Jesus is actually going after in this passage, it's pretty wild, it's pretty insane. And it's completely countercultural. To dive into the text a little bit in verse 27, we'll have it up on the screen. It says, um, to love your enemies. This, This Greek word for love here is typically used in regards to God's love for us. So you guys know that in Greek, there's like the different words for love that are often used. And remember, this is written to a Gentile audience. So they knew their Greek pretty well. And so love your enemies, as it's calling us, this word for love is saying, the way that God loves you and I love your enemies. Now, I don't know if you guys feel this, but as I read this, I'm like, I'm already failing at this because God's standard of love is so much higher, so much more perfect than anything I could do. So we see that, that God is calling us to love the way that he loves us and not just our friends, but our enemies. As we continue in the, in the passage, when it says, love your enemies, Jesus kind of lays out what this looks like a little bit. There's three ways. You can see it in bold here. Go ahead and tell me, what, what is the first one in bold? There you go. Do good to those who hate you, where Jesus is saying, actually initiate, actually go and do something to bless and, and, and to help those who hate you. It's not just like a, oh, d- just try to ignore them. If someone hates you, if someone hates your guts, if someone wants to come against you for, for, for your damage, it's Jesus saying, just kind of take a step back and ignore it. No, Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. That's the first way Jesus points it out. Then the second word is what? Bless. Bless those who curse you. Now, y'all, I was in high school too long enough. How many of y'all know that gossip in high school be crazy? Y'all know this. Gossip in high school be crazy. And it can take a lot of different forms. And I think we like saying that like, you know, what we're doing isn't gossip. We kind of disguise it under something else. If you're talking badly about someone else, you're basically gossiping, okay? So bless those who curse you. What Jesus is saying is speak words of life over those who speak words of death over you. How about that challenge? How about when someone's talking bad about you, saying, Taylor is this, Taylor is that, saying, Alan is this or Alan is that, instead of going to your friend group and talking bad about that person, actually going to that person and blessing them, actually going to that person and speaking words of life over them, giving them an honest compliment, an honest compliment, not just like saying it just to say it, Jesus wants us to be, Jesus wants us to be real. But, Going and speaking words of life to those who are coming after is trying to speak words of death. You guys kind of see this reversal theme where Jesus is is saying, you think that if someone speaks mean to you, you should give it back to them. If someone hates you, you should hate them back. Don't do good. But Jesus is flipping that. He's reversing that. Now we jump in the third bold word. Go ahead and, and say it out. Pray. It's a good one. It's a good one to talk about in church. Pray. Pray for those who abuse you. Another another translation says, pray for those who take advantage of you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I read this and I'm like, wait, this is the last straw, Jesus. These, the first two already sound hard, but pray for those who abuse you. Those who take advantage of you. Those who manipulate you. Those who come against you for the worst. Pray for those who abuse you. And as we look at this passage, if, as if this verse wasn't crazy enough, we're gonna keep going and it gets worse and worse. I want you guys to try to, try to contextualize this with me. Obviously, when we read some of these examples, you know, they don't resonate with us. I'm not up here wearing a tunic, none of y'all are, and I, I'm glad, we're, we're in some good fits tonight. But <laughs> um, I, want, I want you to, to try to modernize and contextualize what this passage might mean to you. Starting in verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Or sorry, i might have skipped. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, I want you guys to think about it with me like this. Are any of you guys sneaker heads? Any big sneaker heads? You, you just love shoes. Okay, there's like very few of you. Okay, thanks. I see y'all. I saw you nodding. Thank you, bro. Yeah, I'm a big sneaker head. I love my shoes. Like if someone is like really needing like my denim jacket and my long tee that I've been wearing since I was like 15 years old, like I got you. Like I'm cool to giving that away. But you talk about my sneakers, like this is a whole different story. This is a whole different story. And as, as I was reading this, I was like, okay, what does it look like to do this type of giving, to be, to be this kind of generous? And I was like, man what if someone came up to me one day and is like, give me your forces. This isn't like me like giving as, out of the kindness of my heart. It's someone coming and taking my goods. It's like, give me your Air Force Ones. Like, oh, I just cleaned them, man. Like, come on, bro. And then to take it a step further, it's not just, okay, I'll give you my forces if you give me like your Jordan fours. No, no, no. It's I'm giving you my, my Air Force Ones. You know what? I go into my closet. I'm taking out my Blazer 77 mids. I know some of y'all are wearing blazers in this room tonight. Who knows what Nike blazers are? Okay, some of us, some of us. I know some of you are like, what is he talking about? Is he speaking English? I am. But, I, and I think about it in that way of Jesus calling us to go the extra mile, not for someone who loves us, not for a good friend. Like, I would give some shoes away to a good friend to bless them. But an enemy, someone that's coming after me, like, I, sh- I wanna live according to this passage, but I'm like, no, this is, this is too much. Like, do you, are you guys tracking with me of this passage is like completely countercultural and just does not seem to make sense. And as we read this passage, we see that Jesus, Jesus finishes it up in verse 35 and 36, saying, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And no, he doesn't mean you're gonna get those sneakers right back on earth. And you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil be merciful. Everyone say merciful. Even as your father is merciful. One more time, say merciful. I want to suggest three things tonight about mercy. Um, I'm just going to jump right in because I don't want to go too long. We're going to have a lot of fun after service, but we're going to jump right in. First of all, We see that God's mercy is his means of calling his people back to himself. Jesus here in verse 36 says, be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. What he's saying is that the heavenly father has shown himself to be merciful to his people. And as we look back at the Old Testament, we see that the the Greek word that translates in the Hebrew for, for merciful also means compassionate or to have pity, to have empathy, to be moved for someone, right? That's kind of what it means to have compassion. You're moved for that person. We see this word used 25 times in the Old Testament. It typically translates as God is merciful and compassionate. And throughout all of the Old Testament, we see God's mercy time and time again. We see his compassion time and time again. We start with a story of the Egyptians, right? We start, and the Israelites are in captive to the Egyptians and they're being mistreated and it's brutal and they start crying out for deliverance and God in his mercy and compassion, he hears them. He hears them. In his compassion, he's moved by their Christ. So what does he do? He raises up Moses and Moses goes, all Prince of Egypt style. Who, who's seen the Prince of Egypt in this room? Okay. I, I want this to never die in church. Like, I don't want it to get too old. Like, We got to keep it going. Like show, this is down the line, but show your kids the Prince of Egypt, okay? Like, I don't know what you got to do to show a VHS, but do what you got to do. Like we need to keep this movie alive because I'm like convinced the Holy Spirit inspired the directors, the writers, and everyone in that because that thing is just incredible. I love that movie. But we see Moses goes and God does these incredible signs. There's the 10 plagues that happen in Egypt and we see God's miraculous power of him saving his people. And then then we have him splitting the Red Sea. This is an incredible story. And then days later, the Israelites are in, uh, are waiting to get into the promised land. You guys are talking right now. Go ahead and stop. And we have the Israelites waiting to get into the promised land. And then Moses goes to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. This is a pretty familiar story for a lot of us if we've grown up in church. And as Moses is up there, the people get kind of bored. So they're like, let's go ahead and build an idol. They wanted something that they could grasp and they could see. They didn't want to have faith in a God that they couldn't hear or believe or see. So... They build this idol and they worship this idol. After they see God do the 10 plagues and and bring them out and split the Red Sea, which if you're thinking you're better than the Israelites, like we're all very forgetful people, make no mistake. Like God could speak something life-changing to you and two days later, you're like, God, where are you? It's like, and God has so much compassion compassion and mercy for us. It's beautiful. But we see this where, where they rebel against God and they sin against God by making an idol. And then we see that the God in his mercy, he keeps his covenant, with the Israelites. And eventually they enter into the promised land. And then we see the, the, the story of the book of Judges. Who's ever read the book of Judges? If you've read the book of Judges, you know it's like, it's a savage book. It's like, this is the type of stuff like, it's kind of epic, like we should preach about this more. It's cool. But we go through Judges and we see kind of this cycle. We see the cycle of Israel sins against God. They forsake the covenant, they break the law. They start worshiping idols. They live in sexual morality. They turn away from God. And so God gives them up to their own desires and eventually they they are taken into captivity by a foreign nation. As they're in captivity and suffering, they typically remember, wait, we remember God's faithfulness. Let's return to him. So they start repenting, and crying out for God to deliver them. So God in his mercy, despite the Israelites' constant sin, he raises up a judge. This is when we get stories like Samson. This is when we get stories of people like Gideon. I'm Who's seen the, the Veggie Tales of Gideon? I'm like really showing all like my basic like Christian like upbringing, but I'm so proud of it. It helps me remember these things. So we have all these epic stories of God doing what only God can do. And in his mercy, he delivers his people time and time again. So it's important to remember as we look at the Old Testament, mercy isn't something that just started in the New Testament with like, nice God. God in his mercy shows it time and time again. And and as as the people continue to rebel, it's God calling his people back to himself. He's saying, I forgive you. He's saying, I have mercy for you. Come back to me for the covenant that I've made with you. This is the God that we see throughout the meta-narrative of scripture. So we see that God's mercy is a means of calling his people back to himself. Secondly, we see that mercy is what marks us as children of God. Someone say children of God. Verse 35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Then he says, Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So Jesus is saying right here that when we walk in mercy, when we do good and we lend without expecting something back, we walk as sons of the Most High God. In verse 36, it says... It says, um, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. And as you look at the Greek text, you see that the word for be merciful actually means to become merciful. So God, even in his mercy and his grace, knows we don't just flip the switch one day and be like, you know what? I'm gonna show mercy to everyone. Like he knows that we're humans human in struggle, but he calls us to look more and more like God the father because we're made in his image in the Imago day. So we see this, this calling to be merciful I want to jump into verse 32 and 34, where Jesus is really showing the difference between um, the world's sense of justice and what God's mercy looks like. Verse 32 says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Everyone say, what benefit? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. You see a pattern of what Jesus is saying. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Here, the Greek word, anytime we see the, uh, the word benefit, is the, the Greek word charis. Some of you guys might know, it's, it's the Greek word for grace, but it can also mean favor or, or divine gift or will. And we see that Jesus is calling us to show grace to to show divine favor in a way that's contrary to the world. Because this is how most people do it. I'll love you if you love me. I'll be merciful if you're merciful to me, but if you're not merciful to me, then I have an excuse to not do it back to you. But Jesus is asking us, he's asking this question, he's saying, how, how are you different than the world? How are you the children of God if you only love and forgive those who love and forgive you back? You guys see what Jesus is saying here? It's this reversal again of saying, this is the world's way, but this is the kingdom way demonstrated by the king himself. And we see here, what I wanna suggest to you guys tonight is that it is in the way we love our enemies and those who hate us that we show the gospel to the world. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. It is in the way that we love our enemies and those who who hate us, that we demonstrate the gospel to the world. Now friends, I'm on the same page as you, where I'm still, I am still struggle with my sin nature, and this passage is insane to me. Because I think about my Air Force Ones and my Blazers, and I'm like, God, you are tripping. Or, or I think about this passage and what this looks like, and, and we see it's so in our nature to, to want a worldly type of justice. I, this is kind of a dumb story, but it's the first thing I thought of when I was really looking into this passage. I had this friend named Tyler um, at ORU. I'm, a se- I'm going to my senior year at ORU, so I'm a college student. Um, yeah, some ORU people. There's some people going to ORU from here. So praise God, we love that. Um, but I have this good friend, Tyler, who lives on my floor. And you know, we're a college dudes, so like we mess around. We like fake fight, fake wrestle. Like no, not because we're mad. I, I wouldn't do that. But he'd probably kill me. The dude is yoked. But, um, <laughs> but we do this thing, you know, like he'll punch me in the arm, and so it's just normal dude stuff. So what am I going to do? I'm going to punch him back in the arm, right? Like for everyone. Like that sounds just, right? That sounds normal. Are you, you, guys, you guys are with me? Like that sounds normal. So then, and, and, and I still don't understand this, but maybe God's using it to help me understand mercy. But so he punches me, I punch him back. And anytime I punch him back, after he punched me first, he does this look, he'd be like, bro, 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 you don't want to, bro, you're trippy, you don't want to do this, bro. And I'm like do what? Like you punch me first. So then he'll punch me back again. So now in my mind, I'm like, it's two to one. So what does that mean? I have another punch. Like, do you guys see this idea of justice in my head? So it's like, obviously I'm gonna punch him back. So I punch him back and it's two, two. It's like, we're not killing each other. It's just like punches to the arms. We're fine. And then after I punch him the second time, it's two, two. And you would be like, bro, bro, you don't want the smoke. What are you doing? And, and it's dumbfounding to me because I'm like, this makes sense. You punch me twice. I punch you twice. So he'll punch me again and you, better, you, you best believe I punch him back a third time. It's, it's never going to stop because for some reason like 3-3 three, three, doesn't make sense to him. But, but we see this idea of justice of like, of like the thing is, is that we, we feel that if someone's unkind to us, it's our right to be unkind to them. If someone isn't loving us, it's our right to not love them back. But this is what Jesus is saying, is that we get the opportunity to show God's divine mercy and grace by how we treat those who don't love us, by how we treat those who hate us. This is heavy. This is tough. This is not something we do on our own. We see, we see it in the beginning of, of, this, of this passage in verse 27, where Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Literally, go and serve someone that hates you, that doesn't want to see that when they see you, they're rude to you. They want to beat you up. They're going to talk badly about you. Do good to those who hate you. That's tough. Then, then he says, go, go bless those who curse you. Someone talks bad about you, it's not your right as a believer to go and talk bad about them to your group of friends or to their face. You guys hear me? That's not what it looks like to be the people of God. But instead, someone talks badly about you, you flip that, you reverse that, and you say, No, I'm gonna speak words of life over them. Because this is what divine mercy looks like. Then Jesus says, Pray for those who abuse you. Now, I'm not gonna be naive in this room tonight. There's some of you where some real evil is being done. I want everyone to look at me. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me there's some real injustice being done to you. And first of all, you need to hear that God cares, that this passage isn't an excuse to be a pushover. It's not saying like, no, like it's okay for someone to sin against you. No, make no mistake. God will make all things right in the end. But you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying you get to show the divine grace and mercy of God by the way you treat those who despise you, who hate you, who talk badly about you. I want to go and invite the worship team up. Last thing I want to suggest to you about God's mercy is that the ultimate expression of mercy is found in the person of Jesus. The ultimate expression of mercy is found in Jesus. And friends, as as I looked at this passage, I started to interject real stories from this room into those categories of those who, who curse you, those who hate you, those who take advantage of you. And those things aren't light. Some of you are coming in with stories that are not light. That abuse is a real situation for you. That, that being taken advantage of you, that being manipulated, that being treated so unjustly is something that happens to you in your daily life. And you may be sitting here saying, Mateo. This makes no sense. I cannot do this. I cannot show mercy to this person who hates me. Some of you could be a sibling. Your brother or sister hate you. They treat you awful. They make home life (laughs) absolutely the worst. Some of you are coming in really tough situations and you're saying, Mateo, I can't do this. And friends, what I wanna tell you tonight is no, you can't. You can't do this on your own. You trying to show mercy to someone else, you might make it a day, you might make it minutes, you might make it hours, but doing it in yourself will fail. But this is why we look to the example of Jesus. As I look at the story of Jesus, and as I was thinking about this topic, the first thing that came to my mind is when Jesus is on the cross and the prayer he prays for the people there at his crucifixion, Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, he prays this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Can you imagine? Imagine Jesus in this moment. Soldiers that casted lots for his garments are down here as he hangs. And they're mocking him. And he wishes that this empty space right here was the disciples, his best friends, who left him. that when he got arrested, they they fled for fear and they didn't stick with Jesus. Then he probably looks at the centurions that nailed his hands to the cross and nailed his feet to the cross so that he could suffocate to death. He's probably thinking about the Jewish leaders who have an awful sense of pride celebrating that this blasphemer challenge their their authority and their rights, their dignity with what they thought they deserved, they were probably sitting there so glad that Jesus was getting killed. And Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Brothers and sisters, we hear this all the time. Pastor Tim says this, and I love it. Jesus never asks you to do something that he has not done himself. If you think Jesus doesn't understand your situation, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Jesus understands every part of your situation. First of all, because he sees it, his heart is broken, but also because he lived it, he lived it. He was hated on earth. People spoke unjustly about him. Jesus took on physical punishment being beaten, flogged, crown of thorns in his head, suffocating on a cross. Jesus gets it. If If anyone has an excuse to say, you know what? I don't need to lay my dignity down. I'm the son of God. I haven't done anything wrong. It was Jesus. If there's anyone that could say, you know what? I don't need to lay my rights down. It was Jesus. But who's the one? that lays it down for people that don't deserve it, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. I wanna read this passage from Romans 5. This passage has always gotten me. In the verses preceding this, as Paul writes to the church in Rome, many thing goes, one of Paul's last letters he wrote to a whole church. Almost the sense of his last instructions and the Apostle Paul he he says very few people would dare to die for a righteous person maybe every once in a while we see it we hear acts of valor about this you know someone in war jumping in for, for their fellow for their fellow soldiers beautiful we love stories like this it's powerful and then Paul says very very rarely will someone die for a good person not a righteous person someone that's Little, little worse than righteous, but they're still a good person. Very rarely will someone do that. But a sinner, an evil person, that doesn't happen. We don't see someone lay down their life for a criminal, for someone that deserves the punishment they're getting. And this is what the apostle Paul writes. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We see that the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin or to become sin so we might become the righteousness of God. That the wrath that we deserve, you think about the punishment that Jesus takes on, the death that he takes on, that's what you and I deserve. The book of Romans is clear with that. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus takes on the wrath of God and says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Brothers and sisters, this is what the good news of the gospel is. God's mercy does not run out for you. You hear me? I I, I want everyone to look at me. Everyone look at me. Some of these things, I I really believe, probably struck some nerves. The thought of praying for those who abuse you and the thought of forgiving someone that's done wrong to you. It's heavy stuff. I'm not pretending, this isn't like a light thing that Jesus says. It's not cute, and most people don't want to live it. That's why the way is narrow. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that God's forgiveness, God's mercy, if you ever question it, if you ever feel shame for what you've done, or you feel too far from God, let me tell you, look at the cross of Jesus, and you see mercy demonstrated in a way that you can never do it, in a way where I, I would struggle to love someone who abuses me. I would, I would struggle to pray for those who take advantage of me. Jesus is saying to do this because I've done it. Jesus has done it, friends. As I was praying for you guys earlier this afternoon, I felt the Holy Spirit to speak this. He said, I'm calling students to lay down their lives today. Because the cause is worth it. Because the cause is worth it. And what is the cause? It's none other than Jesus. (laughs) And brothers and sisters, what, what Jesus says in this passage is basically this. Lay down your dignity. Lay down yourself. Lay down your own rights. Lay down fighting for yourself. And be like me be like Jesus we're not asked to do this by ourselves we get to follow the example of Jesus I want everyone to stand with me we're going to respond in a time of worship, but this is what I'm asking for you guys to do we're going to sing a song that kind of retells the gospel of Jesus retells what God has done for us what I'm inviting you guys to do is not just sing the song because it's a good song. I do love the song. It's great. But what I want you guys to do is to respond to the mercy of God. Is to respond to the mercy of God. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while you and I were enemies of God, Christ died for us. That Matthew, in your worst sin, Jesus knew and he died for you. That Kendra, in your biggest disappointment, Jesus saw that and died for you. That Chase, that he foreknew you, that while he was hanging on the cross, he knew when you would turn from him, when you would disobey, and he still chose to pour out his mercy on you. Ellie, that he saw you because he loves you so much. He said, I'm gonna die for you. you are gonna continue to make mistakes. You'll turn from me, you'll sin, my mercy. It's new every. Morning. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel that we get invited to. It's not about us stirring it up ourselves. And I think so often we think that Christianity is up to us. It's Jesus saying, do this, do this, do this. And it's like, okay, like, I need to pray for those who abuse me. Okay, like try, try, try harder and harder. I need to do good to those who hate me. Okay, I need to try harder, bless those who curse you. Okay, try to think of something nice to say to this person that is mocking me and speaking words of death over me. And no, what Jesus is saying is lay down your dignity, lay down yourself and follow me. Because the way of the kingdom is far better than the way of this world. That being a son or a daughter of God, you know what that means? That when you show mercy and you step into your identity as a son or daughter, it means that you're secure. That, that you don't have to be worried about your rights here on earth. You don't have to be worried about, about navigating and trying to fight for yourself. But it's that you're already found in the Father's love for you. That your identity is found in the fact that God's mercy is so much for you that he saw every single one of you before the foundation of the world, he said, I will pour out my mercy for people that will forget me, for people that will mock me, for people that will beat me, hang me to a cross, and will continue to live in sin even as they're trying to love me. This is the gospel, friends. So let's respond in worship tonight. Let's come on and worship together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.